Welcome, welcome, welcome to Jesus Church. Um, I want to say straight away, like, thank you guys for those of you who brought kids to the, what do we call it, date night. Um, it was super, it was super cool. Thanks for the support of South Africa's mission trip. And um, yeah, just, it was, a, it was a good time. As you guys can see, I won musical chairs at the date night. Hey, that's what I said. I was like, they were like, hey, you want to play? I'm like, if I play, I'm going to win. Like, I'm not going to screw around. Like, yeah. Like, it was me and Lily last time. And I'm like, my heart is beating because I, I hate losing more than I like winning. And I was like, I really do. <laughs> it's kind of a Moffat thing. Um, but, like, especially musical chairs, I'm going to win regardless of who's in it. Like, I've, I'm, I don't know. I'm super good at musical chairs. We should throw... But regardless, it was me and a bunch of seven-year-olds, was it not? And I'm just like, they're, Lily, Lily's problem is she just dances around the chair. And I'm like, she's not even paying attention. She's like twirling and dancing. I'm like, you're going to be a goner. <laughs> so, but yeah, I roasted them, won it. This is all I got, though, which is ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it's super funny. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, I think we'll have one more fundraiser in March. Um, we're going to have a bake sale. Um, so if you guys will have some cookies and and uh, sweets and stuff, if you guys want to be a part of it, it'll be after service on the 19th, I believe, of March. So, um, yeah, but we'll let you guys know that. I'm trying to think what else. I don't think we have any other announcements. Do we? No, I don't think so. Um, I really want to encourage us with, like, <clears throat> I remember the Lord asked me one time, he's like, Lord, he's like, Dylan, um, He said, he's like, are you, are you stoked on salvation or you just know you're supposed to be? Like, am I actually pumped on the salvation that Jesus gave me and the freedom that I have in him or am I just, or do I just know I'm supposed to be pumped on it? Right? I think a lot of times we forget, I'm going to put this down here because that looked really sketchy up here. Um. Not that we forget, but we just we just don't let the the gospel and what Jesus has done become the reality and the atmosphere that we live in. Does that make sense? Um, I really, and it's funny because like Simon said it right there, of like he's like, we're just thankful that you love us and that you sent your son to die for us when we were still a sinner. And I'm like, man, Lord, like is that something that hits my heart like it should? You know what I'm saying? Like, or is that just something that we say? And I'm not saying, just Simon, just I already was thinking that when he said that. It was like, because I feel like I just want it to be the reality of our life, not just something that we sing about or something that we, that we know to be true, but I want it to be something that we know and encounter. Does that make sense? I know First John says it, um, I think it's chapter four or five, but it says, we have known and believe the love that God has for us. So there was a place in, in John, the disciple John, he's talking about it. He goes, I, I know the love of God, and I believe in that love for me. So there's, there's a difference between knowing it and letting it become the, the lifestyle that you live. Does that make sense? Because every, like you can know all day long that God loves you, but it's a different thing to experience and then to encounter the love of God for you. And I know that like, it's the reason that we gather together is in order to keep that the main thing, the main thing, and keep it before us and in front of us and encounter us and to stir you guys up to pursue that one truth. Because apart from that, there's no, there's, look at Second Peter really quick. Like, what is, I want you guys to ask yourselves this. Like, what is, what is your, your goal in worship, in our worship time right now? Because, like, Simon and, Simon and Bailey are, are leading us up here, and it's like, we're not just doing that just to kind of warm you guys up so that I can preach, right? Like, I say that all the time, like, this is our face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, 
But I'm just thinking, I'm like, I've been thinking a lot about the way that I'm thinking through things and like what my motive is behind what I'm doing. Because I always say like, you'll never, you'll never really rise above the why, right? You'll never rise above your motive, why you're doing something. You can do all the right things, but if your motive is wrong, if, you're, if, you're, if the reason that you're doing it is wrong, if your why is wrong, then ultimately your result is going to be wrong. Does that make sense? Like I can say all the right things, but if my motivation is not love, my motivation is not, if I, can, if I can correct Tyler with the motivation of his benefit and the love that I have for him, or I can correct him from the place that he needs to be corrected, the same, I could say the same words, but two different outcomes and two different fruits that it would produce because of my motivation. Does that make sense? That's why the why behind your life is super important. And that's why it's Christianity, we really have to have our, our motivation right. And like, so our, in our worship time, I'm like sitting here, I'm like, man, Lord, like, I'm here in this time, not just, I'm not just singing and going through the motions, like, my heart is hungry for, for a deeper revelation of who you are and seeing you, right? So when I see Jesus, the result is worship. When I see him, when I encounter him, the result is for me to give myself to him. Right, it's a, it, like like Bailey said. It's how did you say it um, at the beginning? You said worship is right, giving back to God what God gave to us. Right, so Jesus gave us something, and now we're, like He gave us life. He gave us He gave us all these things, and then we turn around and give ourselves back to Him. That's funny because like what Jesus is asking for from us, like He's asking us to give us our life, is what He breathed into us. Isn't that amazing? But it's like worship is us giving to him because he's given to us. So I always ask myself, I'm like, if I'm having a hard time worshiping, I'm like, what am I really looking at? Right? Like, what, what is on my mind right now? Because if I don't truly see what he's done for me, then I'm obviously not in the place of worship right now. Think about it. Like, the angels that are flying around the throne of God right now, nonstop, singing holy, 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 they're covered in eyes because they see the Lord and all different angles of him. Right? They're constantly seeing, there's a big old squirrel right there. I'm like, man, that's a giant squirrel. But it caught my eye. <laughs> it was a big one, isn't it? But it was funny. Man, what am I doing? But it's a, I want us to, to, to really, Like, I want us to be a people that sit in that. Like, the, the early church talked so much about the gathering that they, one of the reasons Jesus says, he's like, breaking bread with the disciples, he's like, do this in remembrance of me, is because he wants his sacrifice and what he did to be the center point of all that we do as a church. Right? It, it's funny because, like, I always say, I'm like, this is not an Easter message. Like, I live in Easter. I preach Easter every Sunday. Because if we don't see that, then we're going to let other things come in and start to distract us, right? So, like, ask yourself, are you, ask yourself, are you really enjoying what Jesus has given you? And if you're not enjoying salvation, because it's the joy of salvation, right? If you're not enjoying salvation, then you need to ask yourself what you're really looking at. Right, because when I'm up here worshiping, I'm like, Lord, I want to, like, I want to, like, I'm like, I'm open to you. I want to see your, see you clear, and in seeing him clear, I see myself clear, right? He'll show me things about my life and about who I am. Like, I'm sitting up here, and he's like, do you understand that you will never answer for anything that you've ever done because you put your faith in Jesus? Do you understand that? Like, do you understand that your life right now, you will never stand before the Lord and ever answer for a sin that you ever committed when you put your faith in him? Right? We, like, that's what we live in as, as, Christian, as Christians. That should be the atmosphere of your life. That should be on the forefront of your mind, that every day you can wake up knowing that you're pure and right with God, and your sins have been washed away, and old things have passed away, and all things have become new, and the Father is not remembering your sins ever again. Right? I don't need to say anything else. Like, because I think sometimes I feel, this is my own, the Lord's been speaking to me about it. I feel like I have to say a lot of things so that people can get it. 
If I sat up here and just said that the rest of my life, I think I would do pretty well in Christianity and I would do pretty well in this earth and I could go home and be with the Lord and produce fruit. Like, you are going to stand before God Almighty and he's going to look at your life at what you were created into, not what you did. God is going to look at your life and he says, this is what the reality of my son's work has done in this man. And whatever you did before, whoever you were before, will never be brought up before the Lord because he has forgotten it, right? He cast your sins as far as the east is from the west and he cast them into a sea of forgetfulness. Right? And the way that we forget sins is not the way that God forgets sins. Right? You, you don't make the same mistake 15 years later and the Lord's like, see, I knew, I knew it. You're, you're the same as you were 15 years ago, like we are. He's not like that. Man, y'all. Like we, like... I, like, I want to see that. And it's funny because I'm like, would you guys agree that I probably, to an extent, I understand righteousness? Would you guys agree that, to an extent, I understand the righteousness of God? I say it a lot. I preach on it a lot because it's, it's, it's what I'm, but it's funny that that is the thing that gets attacked the most in my own heart and my own, my own life is who I am in Christ and his forgiveness and, his, and the righteousness of God is the things that get attacked the most in my own life. And you guys would say that I have a pretty good understanding of it to an extent. I don't understand it all. And that's my greatest pursuit. I ask the Lord all the time. That's what I want to know. There's a lot of other things in, 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 in the kingdom of God and all these things that people pursue and knowledge. I just really want to know what he's accomplished. I, I really want to see that cross clearly. And it's funny that that's the thing that gets attacked the most in my life. It's not whether or not I should tithe. Right? It's not whether it's none of it's none of these other things. It's literally the identity and the and the understanding of what the blood of Jesus has done. So it must be pretty important that the enemy attacks it so much. Man, y'all, we, we have to see that. We have to see that. Like we have to live in that. As believers, we have to live in that understanding and that revelation. Look at Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 5. I think my biggest struggle in my life is not reading all the, all the chapter and having to jump around. Verse 5, it says, But also, for this very reason, giving all... Man, we have to figure out what the very reason was for. Look at verse, look at verse 1. Simon Peter, okay, who's that? Peter, a disciple of Jesus, right? A bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Man, you know what a bondservant is? You ever read that? You guys know what a bondservant is? Don't just skip over things like that. A bondservant is somebody that was set free by the master but chooses to serve the master because of the way that he is. That's awesome. A bondservant is somebody that what, it was a servant set free but rather chooses to still live and serve the master because it's, it's the life he wants to live. That's powerful. That's why Paul and Peter, they're all bondservants because they're free to do whatever they want, but they choose to serve Jesus. That's fire. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us. Who's he talking to? Us, the church, right? Who has obtained like precious faith with us. So we have the same, we have obtained the same faith as Peter and the disciples. We don't need any more faith. We have been given the gift of faith. And God is so good, dude. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Not your own righteousness. Right standing with God, making wrong things right. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, Because now our pursuit is the knowledge of God because of righteousness. Our pursuit is to know him. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. So that means that we're not lacking in anything. Because according to the power of God, he has given us all things that pertain to what we need in life and what we need in godliness. 
right? The two things that we have to live in this world and we are pursuing the knowledge and the picture and the person of Jesus to look like him. Everything has been given to us in the power of God. Through, how, how do we obtain it? The knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's in the, pers- it's in the pursuit of knowing Jesus. It's in the revelation and the understanding of renewing your mind to what you've been given already in Christ. Do you guys see that? Does that make sense? Is there any questions on those scriptures right there? By which, in verse 4, having, having, or by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through what? The promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you are, by the promises and the power of God, you can be a partaker of the divine nature of God. That's awesome. Because you've been given righteousness and been made pure. And now you have all the power of heaven to make you into the image of Christ, right? The nature of Christ. And this is what I wanted to get to. But also, for this very reason, for this reason, the reason that we have all these things, the reason that we have been given the power of God, the reason that we are righteous, the reason that we have exceedingly great and precious promises, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love, right? All these things that we are pursuing is a, is a walk of Christianity, right? You could say that these are just holy living, and it's a fruit of righteousness, like Romans chapter 6 says. But here's something that is very intriguing to me, and this is what I wanted to get to. Verse 8, for if these things are yours... And abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you guys don't want to be don't want to be barren or unfruitful in knowing Jesus anymore? It says, For he who lacks these things. So if we're lacking these things is we are short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten what? So why are we lacking these things? What's it say? We were, we were short-sighted and blind and we've forgotten what? It's crazy that the Lord says that there's, or Peter says it, but by the mouth of the, by the Holy Spirit, he says that there's one thing that's lacking. If we're lacking these things in our life that we're all trying to pursue, there's one reason why, and that's because we've become short-sighted and blind and we've forgotten something. We've forgotten that we were cleansed from our old sins. He didn't say two things. He didn't say three things. He said there's one reason. That's you have not been living in the revelation and the thankfulness of what has been given to you by Jesus' sacrifice. That's crazy to me, right? Because what we do is we receive forgiveness and mercy and, and we receive the forgiveness of God, like I just said, and we think that we have to move on from that into all these other things that we're pursuing, right? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, holiness, whatever the case may be. But Peter's saying right now, he's like, there is one thing that you have forgotten. You've forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. Like I said, our revelation has to be that we wake up and we realize that our old man has died with Christ and you can live now the free, new, clean, pure, holy, old things passed away, all things become new life. Yeah. Do you need the microphone or is it? Okay. You don't want the microphone or you don't need it? I'm not going to get it. Go ahead.
Right. No, that, that, has anyone ever had that thought? Yeah. So there is, and this is why Paul talks so much about holiness is it's a witness to the world. Right? He says, I can't think of the scriptures, but he says it multiple times. I think it's in Colossians, but he says that this is honorable and reasonable among men, I think is how it goes, but I'm not sure. I, I would have to, huh? I looked at Jared, like, give me that scripture. But no, I can't, I can't think of the scripture right now. But because, and it, like, he says that he's like, li- like, live in such a way that when they speak evil of you, that they'll, you know, they'll be shunned or they'll be shamed because there's nothing to speak evil of you of. So there is a place to where there are natural consequences to your life. The decisions that you make, there are natural consequences, right? Like if I made the decision to steal a bunch of money from the church, there would be a natural consequence of my decision. Now I can, that's where you come to the Lord and I can come to the Lord and receive grace and forgiveness and, and walk clean from that thing and let grace transform my life. And there can, be, there can be repentance and renewal and transformation, but there still is going to be a natural consequence that I put into order. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I would have, there would be, I would be removed, all that stuff that doesn't want, I don't want to happen, but it's not just because of grace and, and, and mercy that I don't have to actually walk through that, what I made the decision of, right? Does that make sense? That's why people that, you know, if people are serving life sentences in jail, they can be, they can, in the eyes of God, they can be forgiven. They can be made new. They can be made completely pure and righteous. And in their heart, they can have no shame or guilt before the Lord, but they are still going to serve a life sentence right? It's, the people are not going to pull them out of jail and say, well, now you're saved, so that's technically not the same person. That's why it's by faith. That's why you have to incur, that's why you're, you're, you're living your life in faith, right? So it's just like, there's so many examples. Does that answer your question? Does it? And that's where there's, right, so, so most of the time, and this is what I'm saying, there, it's just, it's not a cookie cutter answer because it depends what the situation is. Like, so let's say that you lived a lifestyle of, I don't know, like, but whatever, sin, and, and, and it produced, let me think about this. Like, a lot of times what people say is like, okay, like, you know, you made your bed, now you got to sleep in it, right? It's like, Jesus can cancel the decisions that you made and just give you a new bed and new sheets, and then you can enjoy those sheets, right? You don't have to sleep in the bed that you made, right? Let's say that Let's say you lived a life making a decision of, I don't know, something simple, like, something simple. <laughs> I'm trying, like, I wish I could tell you what's going on in my head, trying to figure out how to say this. Yeah, that's a good, okay, so let's say you were a drug addict, and you you made decisions, but it, it, it like, you walk, so you received Jesus, you got set free, you became a new creation, but because you, whatever, the lifestyle that you live, now you're, you're suffering the consequences in your mind, right, physically, to where your, your mind is not as quick as it used to be. Does that make sense? So it's not just like, well, you live that lifestyle. Like, that is still, that man that made that decision has been washed away, forgiven, and, and he, that man is dead. So that's where freedom can now come. And that the Lord can step in and actually, t- by the power of God, make you brand new because he's not going to let sin judge you for what his blood is taking care of. Does that make sense? Now, there might be natural consequences like whatever. He might have had to go to jail or whatever because of that, even and found Jesus in jail but still had to serve a certain amount of time. But like the effect, the spiritual effects of sin can be washed away. Does that make sense? Does that answer you guys' question? Because like, I mean, literally like, Heard stories, had testimonies of people that lived a lifestyle and something happened to them and now they're suffering from that mistake, right? 
or whatever, and then the Lord came and washed that thing clean because what it does is, okay, well, now I'm free, I'm forgiven, I'm changed. That's not the man I used to be or the woman I used to be, but I'm still being judged for what, and it's always in my mind of the mistake I made, right? So when Jesus takes that away, it's even sweeter in the gospel because now you see, oh, wow, I really don't deserve this, and he gave this to me, and I can really see that that man's free and clean, right? That's super awesome. Does that answer your question? So there, there, there is a place of, of natural consequences, but there is also, and a lot of it is if we handle them, because we're made pure, because, because righteousness is the reality that we live in, that's why we can come to God in our time of need and receive help. So you, like a decision is made, uh, uh, whatever, like you can come and immediately take care of the issue and get the seed out of the ground before it produces a, a harvest. Does that make sense? Because like what we say is like, oh, you're sowing bad seed and all this stuff, and you are, but that's why Jesus, you come to him and let mercy forgive you and let grace now it transform you. Does that make sense? Because you don't have to live that same lifestyle and reap the harvest of the bad fruit that you sowed. Does that make sense? I mean, just like, let's say, like something, let's say that, let's say that you've been, you, you, you treat your wife or your husband a certain way, and you're like, you're producing all the, okay, this is a good example. Let's say that you, you don't, like, you're, you're growing in Jesus, but you don't realize, like, the, the way that you have been responding to your kids or treating your kids is actually giving them a false view of the Father because of the way that you're, the, the way that you're living or whatever. Um, the way that you're treating them when they make a mistake, the way that, whatever the case may be, you're, the Lord reveals and says, hey, like, I don't ever, I don't ever treat you like that. And you, you get a greater revelation of the Father, Okay. So what do you do? You're like, what, what the enemy wants you to do is say, well, look, now you're gonna, your kids are screwed, and the rest of their life, they're going to have a wrong view of the father because of the way that you treated them for six or seven years. And you, but, you, but you didn't have the knowledge or the understanding. Does that make sense? So now what the Lord wants you to do, this is why it's by, like, you are forgiven and changed, and your, your mindset is being renewed. So you can come to your kids and say, hey, this is what happened in my life. This is what happened when I treated you like this or that, this or that, like the way that you did this. I responded like this, but like the Lord has showed me something so sweet that like that's not the way the Father is. Like that's not the way that he treats me. That's not the way that he, he fathers me. And like would you show me forgiveness and would you, would you like show me some grace and I'm, I'm pursuing this image and that's just not the way the Father is. Like you don't realize like six years of that like, in one conversation like that, they see humility in the way that it looks like to be a Christian, right? That you just dug up a ton of bad seed. And no, it might not be like an overnight change, but it's a transformation of your mind because of what you've been given. Does that make sense? So now it's like, you're not, you're not going to reap the natural consequences of that. Though you should, you deserve to, right? Your kids deserve to. But because of grace and because of an understanding of righteousness, that you can go back and dig up all that bad seed. It's like, like, Taya says it. She's like, you can't, I believe that I could be perfect. And it's like, I haven't been. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, even with Valor right now, I still get frustrated with him. And I'm like, why am I, like, getting frustrated with this eight-month-old? Like, why didn't he just do what I want him to do? You know what I mean? But she's just like, Dylan, like, it's so much more fruitful for your kids to see you humble and repentant and have a repentive, repentive heart, so they re, they recognize what it looks like to be a godly man or woman. That when I, because they will make mistakes, so it's like, oh, when I make a mistake, my dad modeled what it looked like to ask for forgiveness, and then receive forgiveness. In the same way that when they make a mistake, when they ask for forgiveness, that I don't bring it up to them ever again, because I'm going to model what the father looks like. Like when we come out of the room and we we like however the discipline measures were, when we come out of the room, they're going to look and say like all the kids, everybody in the family, no one's ever going to say, "Well, how come you peed your pants?" like or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like now you're a kid that pees their pants. Like done deal. The rest of your life, that's like cuz that's what people like you bring them back out to the table and they just threw a fit and it's like everyone treats them like the person that just threw the fit. So I just tell our kid, like, hey, when we leave this room, like, I'm never going to bring it up. That's not who you are. I wash that thing clean. And, like, the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus just showed you that that's not who you are anymore. So let's just be free. Come out. Tell everybody at the table the same thing. So now I'm modeling something for them to follow, and they can see the Father better. 
even if I haven't done it very well in the past. Like, I know in the past I would have handled it like this, and I just want to shoot. I'm like, I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm understanding. Like, we have to give ourselves space to grow. Does that make sense? Does that answer everyone's question? Does that bring up any other questions? <laughs> Can, okay, so my question was, um, it's very practical. It has to do with parenting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes kids aren't saying that they're sorry and they're not mm-hmm. recognizing that, um, you know, that's not how we do things in this mm-hmm. house. You know, so how do we parent the way that our father has parented us when our child needs correction? Mm-hmm. Do we do consequences? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just asking that in theory, like, and practicality. There we go. That's done. Mm-hmm. That's all my question. Yeah. And I think that, like, me and Taya talk a lot about it. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know how you handle every situation because every situation is going to be different. But, like, you can teach – you. That's why I say grace apart from transformation is perversion. We talked about it. Like grace apart from calling somebody higher is not grace. Like like a parent that just overlooks all the problems, that's not a grace-filled parent. Like a grace, somebody that's full of grace, parents and um, disciplines with honor, respect, and love, just like the father would. You know what I'm saying? Jesus wouldn't let me, just like that, Jesus would not let me say, well, okay, we're just going to like, Carrie's not really... The example we just had, Carrie's not really, she doesn't see it and she doesn't, she's not really sorry, so I'm not going to address the problem with, with her kids. Like, she, you know, she actually wants, like, she's, she thinks she's, let's say that you think you're, you think you're right. Let's say that you think you're justified in your actions towards your kids. And the Lord, would the Lord not step in and, 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 and bring to your, I say this, bring, bring it to your understanding that that's not fruitful, or would he just overlook it, right? Like, he would step in and be like, he would show you by, by love and grace. He's not, what I think is the problem is when we, when we discipline or when we, in a situation, is we, we say, okay, now you're that person, the mistake that you've made, instead of you're making a mistake, but that's not who you are. Does that make sense? So in discipline measures where your kids are not sorry, you say, hey, this is not right, the way that you're acting. Like, this is not who you, this is not who you are. Like, this is not, like, let's, let's come out and be separate. Let's, let's be changed and let's be transformed. But like, because of the decision that you're making, there's going to be a natural consequence. The problem is that I think, and this is my own personal opinion, is when the consequence doesn't really make sense with the actions that are happening. Like, it's like, okay, whatever. You punch the kid at school, no tablet. And I'm like, that doesn't, in my mind, that doesn't equate to the problem. So it's just like, we have to handle, and that's where the Holy Spirit can come in, is you start to ask him and teach him. So where, okay, how do I discipline this specific behavior? And where there's a consequence that the kids can recognize and understand in that specific behavior to where, hey, like, if you do this, this is going to be the consequence. And one of the things I think, Adria, is like, really fruitful is preparing your kids that they see the natural consequence. So it's not just like something happens. Now they had no idea how we got to this point, but like give them grace to say, I understand that you think that this is okay, but the next time that this happens, this is what's going to happen. And then you just be, you be straight on your word. You're not, you're not saying like, I love you, but like, and letting them know like the decision you're making right now is not that big of a deal. You, you don't think it is, but like that heart behavior, because you're not correcting behavior, you're correcting in the heart posture. That's what we have to see is like, what we try to do a lot, especially in parenting, but then we do it in people's lives too, is we try to correct behavior and fruit. So we try to pick bad fruit all the time instead of taking care of a root that's producing that bad fruit. Does that make sense? So then we, when you step in and handle a situation, you're trying to correct a behavior in the, in the child because you can see, it's the same thing that you, what's your motive? is you're trying to correct a behavior in the child or a person. I do it, I mean, I do it with people all the time. And that's like, as a pastor, I have to correct things, but I'm correcting because I see that, I see where that's headed. It's going to be not good in the long run. So like the discipline that I'm doing is not for, it's not for me, it's not for my benefit, right? Like discipline is not fun for anybody, right? Nobody likes to be the person that has to discipline a situation, but it's like, because I see it's not fruitful for the person and I love that person, that I'm going to step in and handle and I'm going to say, like, look, what you're doing, I can see where this is headed. And I just, like, we're trying to correct this situation. But there's be very vocal in the, in the, in the, 
and the teaching and the why behind what you're doing. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Is that, is that good, everybody? Do you guys see that? And obviously, like, I, I don't have a kid that's, like, disciplinary age yet. But, like, that's what I'm looking forward to, to be honest. That's my favorite part. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, because I can, I like teaching. I love, like, I love to be able, like, I always told Taya, like, like, right now, like, you know, when they're little babies, they're just babies. Like, he just wants milk. Like, you know, he wants his mom. And it's like, I would like to talk to a teenager that's like, you know, a certain way. That would be cool to me. Like, I'm, I'm ready for Valor to be 10 and be able to talk to him that way. And I know those of you who have teenagers are like, you just wait. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Does that, that answers your question? Does that make sense? So, and that's what I'm saying. And this is why Christianity is very practical is because you being fathered and being led by a good father and understanding it makes you into somebody that fathers and loves well, right? Jesus wants you to be so forgiven that you live in a lifestyle of forgiveness, right? Jesus, and I was, I was thinking about it this weekend. I was hearing a guy talk about it. He's like, does God just forgive you so that you can walk around and be forgiven, like, I'm forgiven, I'm free, I'm forgiven, I'm changed. Like, no, like, forgiveness is supposed to impact you so much that you become that forgiveness, right? Love is supposed to have you get impacted so much by the love of God that the overflow of your life is love on people. Like, that's, that's what God's intention is in mankind. Because apart from, and this is why we have to see it as Jesus' church, as the body of Christ at large, the reason that you are on the earth is for the image of God to be seen and known in the world. Apart from that, there is no purpose for us to be on the earth. Right? We might as well just go to heaven. Paul says, he's like, it's better if I just go be with the Lord. But if I'm staying in my body, it's going to produce fruit. That's why Jesus has us here. You understand, we are seeds that are sown in the world to produce a harvest. That's why it's, we are a light, we are a light of the world, we're the light of the world, that's why Jesus doesn't light us and put us under a basket, right? He doesn't light us on fire and then take us to heaven so that we can all enjoy light in heaven, right? That's why it's not about heaven, it's never about heaven, it's all about transformation, it's about looking like Jesus so that other people will see it and be drawn to your father. God's, God's plan A, there is no plan B, is us to bring people to him by the life that we live and the transformation that we've experienced. That's why we gather. That's why I'm not, I don't preach fluffy sermons that help you guys out and make, pat you on the back but doesn't transform you. Right? If you feel like I'm up in your business a lot, I am. I'm trying to be. You see what I'm saying? Because I want us to be challenged and, 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 and grown so that when we go out, like this is literally, I don't even, I preach for however long, how long do I preach? Three hours, four hours? Right? But that's because I want to, I have an hour or whatever we have with you guys. <laughs> People are like, it's not that. We have, I have 30, I have a 25 minute message with you guys that I preach. <laughs> but to, right, that's the intro. And then we'll have Simon sing another song and then I'll come up and preach. But that's because I'm like, I always say, what's going to transform the world is you guys in your sphere of influence doing the, doing the work of the ministry, encountering people with the love of God. Like, I'm never ever gonna go to Adria's job and talk to those people unless, unless I'm, no, I'm probably never going to, ever, right? Never. I might go to Cassidy's job because she works at Meyer, right? Might go to Jared's job because he works for my dad. Probably not Brandon's job because I don't like painting. Like, I'm not going to go to, I just painted my bathroom, that's why I have paint all over my hands. I just, I'm, every time I paint, you got paint all over your hands too, dude? Every time I paint, I'm like, what? First off, when I paint, right off the bat, I'm like, like I paint like half of, like a little section. I'm like, dang, I might do this without getting any paint on me. Like, this is going to be the time where I do it and don't have any on my fingers, any on my pants, and then I'm talking like covered here. Luckily, I had a hat on and had it backwards because it was all over my hat because I touched my head to the wall four times. But I think about it every time. I'm like, I'm going to do this clean. And I always think about putting gloves on, but I'm like, no, I can do it like without having any paint on me. No. But I'm never going to go there, but Brandon is, right? So my job as a pastor is to equip Brandon to be the light where he's at. Does that make sense? That's why you come to church. That's why we gather. 
So I'm not gathering to try to get people to come so that you guys can bring them so that they can encounter Jesus. No, you have Jesus, so they should have encountered him before they walked in the door. Right? That's why I'm not going to give you... I'm not going to say that. That's why I'm not going to... That's why we're not calling people into the church as much as we can. We're trying to bring the church to the people and so that they can get impacted and brought in to a community of believers, right? That's our goal. That's what Jesus Church's goal is. And it's not even Jesus Church's goal. It's the Lord's goal for the church. I always think about it. It's like, what is, like, we're always like, what is Jesus Church's goal? What's our mission statement? What's the Lord's mission statement? Because we are supposed to be serving him. So I don't have to have a mission statement. I don't have to have a goal. I don't, I, like, my goal is, what, what, Lord, what would you like us to do? Oh, that would, you would like us to go out and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them all things that you've taught us? Yeah, then we'll do that because that's what you told us to do, and then you popped up into the sky. I'm like, last commandment, let's go do that one that we haven't done well to this point, right? We haven't done it well because we have the wrong view of what we're here for. And that's why I said our why has to be important. It has to be important. And what the thing is, is we try to go out and do all the things apart from receiving all the things that we need, right? Like Peter's talking about, and this has all just been one verse that you guys made me read at the beginning, it's like we're trying to get all these things apart from re- re- understanding and letting the gospel be a, a, something that is just shocking to us and amazing to us. And we're trying to, re- that's a squirrel out there just being crazy, dude. Do you see him out there? Dude, he's like running all over the place. He's probably picking up a bunch of salt and carrying it, or putting it in his mouth and carrying it up in his tree and eating it. But like he's just running back and forth on the parking lot. Like there's no, he didn't bury any nuts out there in the parking lot ridiculous dude trying to preach (laughs) right Uh, um but do you see that that like what we are pursuing in christianity what we're pursuing in our own lives comes as an overflow and a result of being captivated by somebody that forgave you of everything that you've ever done and that's why coming together as a church i'm going to stir you up in that because the more that you see that you stand before the lord clean and pure the more that you're going to share that with your neighbor or your family, right? The more that you're going to live in a place of of peace and forgiveness and grace in your household and with your family members is the more is the is comes from an understanding and a revelation of what you've been given. Right? If you wake up and feel like you're not worthy to the Lord, you are not going to be patient and loving to your parent, to your parents, to your kids, to your wife, to your spouse. Right? If, I'm ever, if I ever feel myself short with Taya or not engaged with Taya or not connected with Taya and not loving her well, I'm always like, somewhere down the line, yeah, I forgot. That thought that came to me that was condemning and, and shameful, I let that thing dictate me and now my heart's fluttering in anxiety and now I can't be present and loving and connected. That's why the enemy works so hard to get you to forget and to get you outside of your understanding so that you'll... Li- most, like most people, most Christians that are mean usually are just really mean to themselves, right? Most Christians that, don't, that, that aren't loving don't really love themselves. Most of them that aren't forgiving have never actually received forgiveness. Right? And we're just like, man, church is mean. That's because they don't understand, right? I'm not going to church and people are mean. I'm like, why don't you be a light then and let them see? Does that make sense? Think about it. Think about the times where you weren't super graceful with people. If you were, had the revelation and the understanding that you were forgiven of everything that you've ever done, with no questions asked while you were an enemy, before you ever were sorry, that would be something good to tell your kids. Hey, remember, before I was ever sorry, Jesus died and, paid it and forgave me. So I see that you're not really sorry, but I'm going to forgive you and treat you as if it never happened right now. But I do want to see that thing change because it's destroying you. But if you said that simple statement right there to your kids, it sure would preach the gospel to them. And they wouldn't have to come to church to, do, to hear it. <clears throat> right? I mean, I feel like I'm up in you guys' business today. I'm not trying. I'm, yeah, I'm like really shut off. What I should do is put this up here like this and preach like this. No, I'm just playing. That really feels weird up there. Like when I was in Norway, they're like, hey, my buddy's like, I can't hear because the speakers were right here. And he's like, I have to be up here so I can hear you because I'm going to translate it. He goes, I can't hear you down there. 
I'm like, I don't want to preach over here. Like, I'm throwing, I'm throwing a fit, and I'm like, hey, I'm going down here, and you can stay up here. Or just go sit somewhere else. Like, I'm just going to preach down here because I don't like being up there. But do you guys see that? Like, do you see, like, our, and that's why every day, every moment of every day, of every encounter, of every pursuit of your life in Christianity, you should, you should want to know and understand what you've been given and encounter the person Jesus and the forgiveness and the grace that he's given you, right? You should wake up and just be like, Father, I just really want to know your love today. I want to see myself forgiven more and more today. That's why when I'm in worship, I'm asking, holy cow, Luke, I was supposed to have you share testimony. Later. <laughs> Later. Maybe next week, Luke. <laughs> um, I looked at Luke and he's just like, man, dang, sorry, Luke. Um, but we have to, I want us to, like, we should wake up and pursue that in our lives. Does that make sense? We should, everything, when you're sitting here in worship, it should not just be like, well, we're going to sing these three songs and then Dylan's going to encourage me. I want you to encounter Jesus and be like, Father, I want to know, I want to see you clearly. I want to see what, I want to see your, I want to see you hanging on the cross and, and see my life hanging with you and see the forgiveness and the freedom that I have because of it. And then you'll be singing thank you pretty quickly, right? That's what, I'm, that's what, that's what Jesus is trying to get us to do is, is to have this exchange, right? Bailey says worship is giving back to God what he gave to us. Is we're, He's giving us, giving us, giving us forgiveness, love, righteousness, not based on your works every time. And it's just like worship just pr- produces out of your life, right? Right, you need, if you need rent paid and somebody comes, you walk in the door in church and somebody gave you your check for rent this month and you're like, holy cow, you'd be in here just worshiping Jesus, right? The next week, because you forgot and you don't realize what's been given to you, you'll be questioning the same thing. Be like, man, what about next month, right? And that's because we're not living in a revelation of the person Jesus. Because what he's doing and everything that he does is he's trying to reveal his heart to you in the way that he does things as a friend and as a father. So that when you get in the next month and you need money again, you can already worship him because of what he's already done. You're like, man, I'm just thankful that you did it last. I mean, am I going to acknowledge that squirrel? Right? <laughs> right? But I can, you can sit there and you say, man, last month, like, you tried to show me something in your heart and in your nature that you're a provider and, and you're a friend. You know what I'm going through. So I'm not going to sit here and let fear dictate my life right now. Like, I'm going to worship you before it even happens because I trust you, right? Does that make sense? Is there any questions on that? Like, guys, I want us, I want us to, I want us to just live in that revelation. Like, I, I was telling our Becoming Discipleship School on Thursday night, I'm like, like, if I ever just want to just like get fired up, I just read Romans chapter six and what happened in, in, in the freedom that we've been given in Christ. And I just like, it just, it just does something to me. Like, and I just sit in that and like, it's so funny to me because I, I want to like, I'm like, man, Lord, there's so many like other things, but just like, like if you read Romans chapter six in my Bible, there's so much like coffee spilled on that page because of all the times that I just sit there and read it. Like it's, it's amazing to me. And it's just like, because that's, that's what, that's what we're, it's what Jesus paid for, for us to experience. And a lot of us are letting shame or guilt or remembrances or flashbacks or whatever the case may be, keep us from experiencing what Jesus paid for. It's like, the Lord asked me, he's like, Dylan, it, it is intimacy with me like the rule in church or like is that common is is the majority of people if you just look at the church at large is the majority of people living an intimate lifestyle with Jesus apart from a Sunday gathering think about it is it and that tells me that the understanding of righteousness is not super clear in the church Because righteousness was so that you could stand before the Lord and experience and live with him without any shame or guilt. Right? It's, it's a, it was, it was, 
it was given to you so that you would never have to cover yourself and not experience relationship with Jesus like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Right? They don't, they, you don't have to hide from God when the, when the sin is taken away. There's nothing that you have to be ashamed of when the sin is taken away. Even if you've made a mistake or you made a mistake currently and you can come right to the Lord knowing that righteousness has already given you everything that you need and that the Lord is going to continue to transform you and mercy and grace is for you so that you can be free now in the moment, in the mistake that you made. Right, because I, I think that like, and I always say it, one of the things that, one of the things that robs the body of Christ so much is, well, I should have known better. Or I know better. And I still made the mistake, or I still did this, or I still whatever. Like, and that just, like, and this is something that, and this is a good segue. I'm going to transition in the next couple of weeks, just talk about a relationship with the Holy Spirit and what that looks like, because it is what Jesus has paid for, is for us to have fellowship with him in the person of Holy Spirit, because it is Jesus's spirit. And I thought about it, I'm like, if Jesus lived with you in the flesh, drove around with you in the car when you were by yourself, you'd probably have to address what you're feeling like to him. You ever think about that? Like, you couldn't just be driving and feeling like super anxious and feeling like condemned and Jesus sitting in the flesh be like, yo, uh, what, 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 what's going on? Because I can hear your thoughts. <laughs> right? Think about it. Like Jesus wouldn't just say, I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear that and just sit out the window. Just be like, man, it's beautiful out. Like, I don't want to step into that right now. Like, that's not how Jesus would roll. But that's how the Holy Spirit is with you right now, every moment. Right? Like, he is there for you to encounter him. Like, what would your life look like? Like it would, and that's what, it's so sweet to me, dude. It's, there's no, there's no more, there's like the Lord, that's what, the Lord does not want you to live ever another moment separated from him, right? Because if he was, right when you woke up, if he was just like, hey buddy, what's up? Like shame just hits your heart right in the morning. Has anyone ever had that happen because of where you lived or what you did or the mistake that you made? Right in the morning when you open your eyes, right? Three, you have about three seconds Three seconds before you realize what happened, and then it hits you, right? Jesus, if Jesus was there right now, he's like, hey, hey what, what are you thinking that for, dude? That's not, that's not you, right? That's what Holy Spirit's life is supposed to be like for us, right? He would not, Jesus wouldn't say, all right, well, we're going to wait till you come and be with me at 6 p.m. when the kids go down or whatever, and you have like five minutes to, to, to get in the Word. Jesus would not let you live that whole, that whole day like that. Right? That's where he's at in the, in the moment. And that's where we have to be people that carry him and realize that. Man, it's so sweet. Because it's, there, like, there is never, ever, 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 ever again a moment of separation from you and God. Ever again. And that's the way that we should live our lives. Because we cannot be people that live separated from God and expect to have the world encounter him. Right? Jesus wants to over, like, and that's why we see it all, like, it's not, and that's why it's not about us going out and being the light and changing the world and all, the, we have to get back to, like, we have to have the revelation, and that's why we're walking in this reality, right? We're trying to do all the other things, like Peter's just talking about, and we've forgotten this one thing, and the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of righteousness, excuse me, Right? The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of the righteousness of God on a daily basis, forever and always, so that when we walk into mire, we're not overwhelmed by the person that we used to be. We're thankful for the person that we are, and we can see other people the way that, that he sees them, because we see us the way that he sees us. Does that make sense? Christianity is simple, because it's just friendship. When you get past that, and you try to get all into all these other things, Jesus would be in your Toyota, and he'd be like, what are you doing? Why are you thinking like that? Why are you doing that? Right? Or he'd be like, I remember the Lord. I'm like, Lord, this is pretty exhausting the way that I'm living right now. Right? He's just like, it is pretty exhausting. You probably shouldn't do that. Right? If I'm not, ex if I'm not experiencing joy, if I'm not experiencing peace, life, then I need to question what I'm thinking and what I'm doing. 
Because Jesus literally said that he is life, right? He gave you the Holy Spirit, said that I'm, gonna be, I'm giving you my peace. And the righteousness, peace, and joy is the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm saying. There's a segue, and that's why Luke, next week we'll talk, have you share your testimony on the Holy Spirit. But it'll be a good segue is in the person of the Holy Spirit is everything that we need in Christianity. It's what Jesus paid for. Adam and Eve lost it in the garden, was walking with God. And what's funny is I was thinking about it today. I feel like we always think of Adam and Eve in the garden walking with God. And it's like God came down to go for nighttime walks with Adam. Like, think about that. Is that how most, like in the cool of the day, the Lord shows up after Adam's been living his whole life by himself. And then, and then God shows up to just like, hey, I'm, I'm here for our six o'clock walk that we do every night when the sun sets. Right? That's the way I've thought it. And that's the way. But the Lord asked Adam, where are you? Do you think that God knew where Adam was? Do you think Adam was like, I'm down here in the bushes? Like, hold on. Like Adam, like the Lord asked Adam, where are you? Because there was a separation that happened because of sin. And he wanted to acknowledge that for us too. That there's no more where are you, that you're always with him. Right? We always say that Jesus restored what Adam lost. Well, what did, I, what did Adam lose? Right? We're like, how do we walk with the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit shows up at like 6 p.m. when it's cool and we go for a walk then. Right? Or is it a lifestyle of actually walking with the Holy Spirit? Walking with God. Man and God back to being one, walking in the cool of the day. Right, guys, I, I want to crush, crush, and destroy shame and condemnation in our lives because it produces nothing but regret and death. Like, I want to be a people that never, that when we sing songs, when we, when we, we're going to pray for somebody, when, when we just encounter people, that we have no sense of guilt, shame, or condemnation. And I'm not entirely there yet because that stuff still tries to hit my heart all the time. So I know, I know that, that it's, it's a common attack of the enemy then because it's something that I pursue all the time. And I want, I want us to be a people that live in that reality, live in relationship with Holy Spirit, live in the fellowship of the gospel, Right? where I get to fellowship with what Jesus has done because he did all this stuff for me and now I get to encounter the person that just did that for me. Right, like all the questions that we have, like all the things that we're, that we're, we're lacking or we're pursuing or we're longing for would be established in a true understanding of, of righteousness. Right, why, why, are we not, why are we not the most... The, the, the boldest people in the world. It's because we're letting a little bit of shame or guilt still try to tell us who we are. Right? Because the, right, the, um, the righteous are bold as a lion. So I'm just like, if I feel a little bit of like, I don't have a place to say anything, I don't feel like I'm living confidently, then it must not be the Lord. I must be believing something wrong. And that's where Holy Spirit says, hey, you see this? Do you see that? Do you hear this? Do you hear that? No, that's not true. And he just starts brushing that stuff away. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm really going to unpack the ministry of the Holy Spirit and realize, I want you guys to realize and open your hearts to receive him and to encounter him and to walk with him daily. Because he is the pinnacle of Christianity. He's the pinnacle of what Jesus paid for. Jesus gave us righteousness so that we could walk with him again and so that God can fill a man and become one with him once again, what Adam lost in the garden. Righteousness gave us the place to be filled with God and to be one with him now.
And like I said, so when the morning comes and you get, you don't have to just enjoy the three seconds before the thing hits you in the morning. You get to enjoy a lifestyle of freedom because of what Jesus has done. And Jesus will be sitting there and saying, I'm not letting another moment pass by by you feeling like this. Right? It makes God very obtainable and very close and very personal. And when Jesus is personal and close and obtainable, whenever he encountered anything that wasn't of him, he said, yeah, that's going to have to go, right? That's why, like, videos and things, like, when we have pictures and, and movies of Jesus, when he's sitting across the table from people that are struggling and he never handles it or, or talks about it, I just don't see Jesus doing that, right? I don't see Jesus just sitting there with somebody that's sick and being like, man, your time will come eventually, right? I wouldn't see Jesus in a, in a dinner party when somebody's sick and then just saying, like, pretending like that's not happening. Could you see that? You're eating Tic Tacs on the front row? <laughs> Dude. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's what, <laughs> so sorry, you thought that was funny. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Jesus would, like, if you look at, I mean, just look at Peter's mother-in-law. It says Jesus came into the house. He saw that Peter's mother-in-law was sick and went over there and took care of the situation. It's not like Jesus is like, Oh, she's not feeling well? Okay, yeah, okay, well, we'll just try to be quiet over here then. <laughs> right? So in our lives, Holy Spirit's not just going to let you live in an area of darkness. He's not going to live in an area of insecurity. He's not going to let you live in an area of, of a gray area of your identity where you don't really know who you are and you're not confident. He's going to attack that if we let him and if we give ourselves to fellowship with him. Right? Jesus is so sweet. I always tell Holy Spirit, I'm like, if there's anything in my life that's not fruitful, if there's anything in my life that's not of you, I want it gone, and I want you to reveal it to me. And I don't care how it happens, I just want it gone. I want to look like you, and I want to fellowship with you, and I want to be with you. It's something that I've been growing in personally. Since Jared preached, I don't remember when that was, talking about fellowship, or I don't even know what you said, but um, you said one, I don't even know what you preached on, but you said one statement of, you said a lot, one of the key, one of the, of, uh, a lot of common traits and people that you really highly respect in the faith, they usually have conversations with God all day long. They don't, it's not just like, they don't come over and try to, all right, now we need Jesus, so they flip the light on, right? They just leave the light on all day long. So it's not just like they have to go get power and give it to somebody, it's just on. And that's what I want to live like. I want to live in constant fellowship and communion and relationship with him. Is that cool? So I just want to encourage us with that today, and I'm going to press into it in the next couple of weeks. Um, so it'll be it'll be good going forward. Don't ever bring Tic Tacs into in the church unless you're going to sit in the back. I asked you to bring me two Tic Tacs, not the whole box. You've been eating all day. Yeah, you have six in your mouth. You gave Jared a bunch. That was the third time that you ate it. Would you take that for me? Would you guys stand with me? Hey, we're going to have some snacks and stuff. We're going to put them out after church. So if you guys want to hang out and enjoy, um, some of you guys probably came in and realized there was no snacks. Then you just left, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But we'll have them after service, okay? Um, but guys, would you guys come pray, Jared and Ty? Cassie, will you pray with Tyler? Um, <clears throat> listen, the rest, of the, the rest of this time in the next couple 40 weeks or whatever that I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit, um, I'm always going to give opportunity for you to receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Luke will talk a little bit about it next week in his testimony that he didn't get to. Um, but everything changed when I opened up to the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys, I just cut myself off, how many of you guys did not have a clear understanding of the Holy Spirit growing up or never heard it taught well? Yeah, right? Do you understand the Holy Spirit is God? And I'm going to share on it next week, but like everything the Holy Spirit does, like just some of them, he leads you and guides you in the truth. He reveals righteousness to you. He speaks what Jesus is saying. Let's just say those three things. If we don't understand the Holy Spirit, are we going to be lacking in an understanding of truth? We won't understand righteousness, and we won't clearly hear the voice of the Lord. Just those three things. And I can, off the top of my head, name 20 things that the Holy Spirit does. So we have to be a family and be a people that live in constant fellowship and, and a receptive heart to the Holy Spirit. It's what, it, it's what makes us different from everybody else in the world as we're filled with God.
plain and simple, right? So I'm going to have constant openings for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Always come up if you, if you want to and if you want to receive. Um, but let me just pray for us. So at the end, we'll have people praying. Um, but let me pray for you guys right now. And let's just, um, just be humble and be open to just receive what God has for us in this next season, okay? Um, Holy Spirit is never going to force himself on you. He's always going to give you opportunity to receive, always. We have to be people that receive him. So just open your hands if you have that heart. Father, we just pray right now that, man, we just, we see and we understand exactly what you came to accomplish through your son. And Lord, we live in the fruit and the, and the fullness of that, Lord. We don't, let us not miss a single drop of grace that's available for us to transform us. Lord, let us not be people that just are satisfied with going to church or satisfied with not knowing you. Father, let us not be people that are just satisfied with doctrine or satisfied with knowledge, but Lord, we need an encounter and an experience with you and with the freedom that you carry. So Lord, I pray right now that you, right now, this week, that we just start to um, open our hearts to a, uh, a, a greater understanding and fellowship with Holy Spirit, and we begin to walk in the, in the friendship and the revelation of the oneness that we have with you. Jesus, I just thank you that you're going to begin to speak to people through the Holy Spirit all through this week, Lord, and we're going to start to see um, fresh encounters with him, um, that we're going to see just little things being revealed to us, little things being brought to our remembrance that, that, just, um, that just draw us closer to you and just set us free more and more in our hearts. And Lord, I just pray for just in this house and in this body, I pray that you establish this foundation of righteousness in our hearts, that we do not move past it, that we do not think that there's something else that we need, but Lord, that we're secure and established in this truth, and that we never again are moved away from the hope of the gospel. And Father, I just speak against hopelessness in this house and in this body, Father, that we be people that are filled with hope because of what you've done. Father, that we be people that are established in the hope of the gospel. And Lord, that we're people that are filled with hope and that hope is just radiating through our eyes and through our lives. Lord, that we bring hope into hopeless situations. So Father, I just thank you for establishing us in that reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys, like I said, We'll have a prayer team up here if you guys need prayer for healing or um, just want to encounter Jesus or need somebody to stand with you. Um, other than that, you guys are dismissed, um, and we love you guys.